Hey everyone, this is Bob Leahy at Life Church in Chico, California. Welcome to the Midweek Pastors Podcast. This is a way for us to go beyond the sermon through conversation, questions and answers, deep dives into topics, and interviews. Whether it be in your car, at the gym, or hiking in Upper Park, we hope that this podcast really encourages and equips you wherever you're at. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another weekly podcast here with Pastor Chris Reyes and Bob Leahy. And we've asked Pastor Tom Mount to come back again for a second podcast to continue this conversation on the fear of the Lord. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I know that in many ways this is based upon discussions that you and I have had. Yeah. But I'm just thinking right now, and here I'm going to throw you a curveball, Tom is that as Christians, we have over the years developed really kind of a negative idea behind seminary and you know, getting a PhD in theology, or just theology sometimes makes modern day believers uncomfortable, mm. especially when I, uh, <laughs> I think I use using BART as uh, an excuse for calling Christians, little you're mini theologians now, but you know you went on to to get your PhD at South African Theological Seminary. What what was the impetus behind that? Why did you feel like you you already had your master's? Hmm. Why did you feel like you needed to go there? And what's the benefit of that for Christians to to actually pursue deeper training, theological training? Why Hmm. why would that be helpful? Yeah, the, the answer really goes back to early in my Christian life, where I, and I came out of a total atheist background. Mm. Uh, so I met Christ, um, became part of different campus groups, so had a kind of a uh, veneer of uh, exposure to uh, theology, mm-hmm. um, but nothing real substantial. But I did get a hold of A.W. Tozer as a baby yeah. believer. Yeah. And just reading Knowledge of the Holy in Pursuit of God and His works created in me this deep hunger to know God personally. And so really, from the very beginning, that has been the basis of my relationship with Christ, has mm-hmm. been this uh, deep personal quest for more of Him. Mm. Um, and my theological studies at seminary whetted that appetite, mm-hmm. and I, after my master's, I thought, man, I, I need more. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. And th- th- there was just, there was more of God to discover. And I wanted to do that um, in, a, in a trained, disciplined way. And mm-hmm. so the way to do that was through a, a PhD studies. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a privilege. I, I don't, I think a lot of people do their PhD and it is an arid, uh, process you know <laughs> yeah, they're just grinding grinding and it out. out yeah and it is a grind i mean it was the loneliest hardest thing i've ever done but it was a feast for my soul mm. and i can honestly say that it was spiritually formative it gave me a greater love for the lord um than i had when i began the wow. studies and i wow. again i think that's probably atypical when it comes to yeah, yeah. academic disciplines but it certainly was the case for me so what drove me hunger hunger yeah. for the lord yeah. i tasted and saw that god was good mm. and i just wanted more so what's i think good about the internet one of the blessings of the internet 
is that people can actually go online yeah. and get a certificate, get a degree, a one-year degree, a two-year degree, and grow if their hunger of the Lord is deep, yeah. that they can take an online course. It's I mean, do you, reco- you recommend that to people yeah, I do. Do- doing it that way? Oh, it, the stuff that's available online now mm-hmm. is every bit as good as what you would be exposed to in a classroom in a wow. seminary, wow. because seminaries are offering free classes, you know, taught by uh, leaders in their various sub-disciplines. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yes. Now, obviously, online you could find anything and everything. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of junk true. there. Yeah, there is. And that's where I would suggest that if there's someone at Life Church who is interested in in doing some online stuff that they come and talk to Pastor mm-hmm. Chris. They yeah. talk to you yeah. so that you could help guide them through that process to steer them toward credible yeah. sources. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what we do. I know that Pastor Bob and Pastor Manny both have been involved in a year-long uh, degree, and it's been challenging. It's like drinking from a fire hose, they say, but yeah. it has been been very beneficial to them. The The thought that I have behind that, even while I ask the question, is when we talk about the fear of the Lord, the, the concept of approaching the Lord in the Old Testament was a fearful thing. Yes. The people, even to the point, said to Moses, look, you go talk to God. We don't, we don't want to go. We'll stay here. And so there's this a fearfulness approach in approaching the presence of the Lord. But now with Christ, who has defeated sin and death and is now our advocate and has made a way to the Father, we no longer have to be afraid to approach the the presence of the Lord. But at the same time, we have made it, I think you said in our last podcast, that when we do have a concept of our buddy Jesus, or our papa, you know, mm-hmm. like our like a like a granddaddy, mm-hmm. uh, that that can minimize and and even rob us of the fear of the Lord because we don't want a God that we're afraid of. We want a God that we can just you know go swimming with, or mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. How, how can we, or in what way, when we approach the Lord, how does though maintaining a healthy attitude of the fear of the Lord, how does that help us better approach the presence of the Lord? Can we have a different experience if the fear of the Lord has been incorporated into our understanding of approaching God? Yeah. Great question. Um, So we come to him as he is, Mm -hmm. Mm. and we come to him as we are. Uh, Those who have been made in his image who fell into sin, who have been graciously redeemed by Christ and made new creatures in him. And we come to him through our great high priest, um, but he still is the high and holy one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who, um, before whom seraphim bow, mm-hmm. cherubs cry out, holy, 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 mm-hmm. Lord God Almighty. So. To encounter him is to encounter the living God mm-hmm. um, who is still 
high and holy and still dangerous, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and yet there is a security in knowing that we have been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Mm. And so we're not liable for those sins that would put us at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is still this basic dissimilarity between the creator God and created beings. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. he deserves our utmost fear and awe. Right. And that's where texts like uh, Hebrews 12 uh, come in. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot, cannot be shaken. Mm-hmm. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Why? Mm-hmm. For our God is a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. Now that fire, you know, is a fire of love and purity and mm-hmm. holiness, mm-hmm. but it still burns. Right. <laughs> but its intent not, is to purify. Its intent is to do us good, not to, yes. not to harm us, but it is still... <laughs> can be a painful experience. Sure, and we will all experience that in the last day, right? Mm -hmm. And the wood, hay, and stubble that we've used to build our lives will be burned away, Mm -hmm. and the gold, silver, and precious stones, all of this from Mm -hmm. uh, the Corinthian correspondence, uh, the gold, silver, and precious stones will remain. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, God is a refining fire, and he always will be. Right. Uh, well, it's, uh, isn't that was uh, one of Lewis's quotes in the Chronicles of Narnia, speaking mm-hmm. of Aslan, yeah. the lion, that he's not a tame yeah. lion. Yeah. yeah. Lucy asks if he's safe. If he's safe, that's right. <laughs> he, Mr. He, Mr. Beaver says, of course he's not safe, he's, he's a lion. He's a lion. <laughs> but he is good. Yes. And see, that's what, that mediates that consuming fire is his mm-hmm. goodness. Yeah. His graciousness. Now, you've been able to incorporate some things in your prayer, your approaching the Father, that I think modern-day Protestants or even evangelicals would kind of scratch their head. Uh, And I know you don't mind me sharing this, but you had either found or created a kneeling bench that would usually be found in an Orthodox church or in a Catholic church, but you incorporated that what what yeah. was your thinking behind that this kneeling bench yeah yeah uh remember in the screw tape letters um lewis plays with this idea of uh you know that okay mr demon uh, wormwood uh, wormwood yeah um if you can't get him not to pray at least convince him that he doesn't have to kneel when he prays, convince him that his prayers are just as efficacious as if, you know, as he's laying down right. uh, his bed. Lewis recognized there was something about our bodily postures that accentuated whatever it is that we're trying to express in our relationship with God. It's like our body is like an antenna. Yeah, yeah. And so when I kneel before God, or when I raise my hands, or when I cross myself, mm-hmm. it, symbolically, there, it, it does something in my spirit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I don't get when I'm simply praying to God in my car, driving down, you know, mm-hmm. go past it. Mm-hmm. And that's where you 
like I said, you've discovered ways to um, increase the, the meaning and the significance of your approaching the presence of God. You, uh, like I said, you've become very creative in that. Things that people would, like I said, scratch their head and say, Tom, you know, but Jesus died for our sins and, you know, he's made us, made us righteous. And why are you doing these things? Why do you have a kneeling bench? Why do you do the sign of the cross? And what they don't understand is that you're not using these things as some type of talisman or it's your, you recognize that holistically you're trying to approach the presence of the Lord in every part of your being. Yes. Even in the attitude of your posture. Absolutely. We're to love God. Jesus said, Mark 12, 31, with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, strength being our whole bodies. Mm-hmm. We are embodied beings, inveterately but embodied. To, mm-hmm. to not have a body is to be subhuman. Right. That's why those who have gone before us and their spirits are in heaven right now with Jesus, they're the spirits of righteous men and women mm-hmm. made perfect. Mm-hmm. But they won't be reconstituted as full human beings until the general resurrection, so, yeah, when right. they're rejoined to those bodies. So as embodied beings, beings. How do we worship God with our body? Well, that's something that evangelicals by and large have discounted. Because of our indebtedness to Enlightenment rationalism, our worship is primarily cognitive. Right, right. Right. Um, In embodied worship, whether we're kneeling, we're standing, we're prostrate, whatever we might be doing, Mm -hmm. we're involving the whole of us in the worship of this great God who deserves all of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I, and it's not like I sit around thinking, okay, what can I do that would be different? It's my study of church history that introduced me to these various practices mm-hmm. that have mm-hmm. been lost on the evangelical church. Right. That I've gone back and I thought, you know, this has this ancient tradition. There must have been something to it. I'm going to... Yeah. I'm going to implement that and try it right. and see if it doesn't expand my love for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, many of those things have, and so they've been incorporated mm-hmm. uh, into my regular set of spiritual disciplines. Do you think, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up with this, because I think this is important for all of us who are listening to consider this, is that our natures now as human beings, we're very uncomfortable with awkward silence or, or silence mm. in, in general. Yeah. We can't sit still. Yes. And then if we do sit still, it's, you know, for me to play a video game or something, but it is very difficult for us to incorporate the disciplines that could actually enhance and make approaching the presence of the Lord so much more significant. Yes. So it's so true. So, in in just a, your quick understanding of what uh, authors like Richard Foster or Dallas Willard, mm. what is the importance of the spiritual disciplines? It in you know you don't have to exercise them all the time, but what can we do that will cause us to consider that to say okay maybe mm. I need to to get a kneeler, but mm. n- not because Pastor Tom does it, but but why? What, Maybe the best way to approach it is through the analogy of physical training. So um, I work out um, five times a week, and I do curls and bench press and various 
exercises, not because I like them. In fact, yeah. I hate them. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> but it's, I want to be physically fit. I want my body to be able to respond to my mind, my spirit, mm-hmm. to do the various things that I enjoy. And I have to train it, though. Otherwise, I go flabby. Mm-hmm. It's the same way spiritually. We don't grow through osmosis. We don't yeah. grow by just sitting around and thinking that some mysterious thing's going to happen and we're suddenly going to become Christ-like. <laughs> Christ-likeness <laughs> means that we follow Christ in the totality of his life. Christ prayed. He practiced solitude, fasting. He did, went to temple. He went to synagogue. He did all of the things that a good first-century Jew would do. Mm-hmm. And those largely helped him to develop into a certain type of being. Yeah. And it's the same with us. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. malleable. We're right. plastic. We're moldable. Mm-hmm. We are invariably becoming some type of being or another. Mm-hmm. The spiritual disciplines help us to become the type of being that yeah. we want to become and that yeah. God has called us to become. But it requires saying no. Yeah. Yeah. Various things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and saying yes to the gym. Yeah, uh, you know, but you know that's what I think is really good for us to end on for those of you who are listening is to step back and ask yourself the the question of what do I need to do in order to become the best version of myself possible to be more like Christ and not out of a guilt complex or a dutiful way. But in a way that, what could we do, and I'm including myself, what could I do to enhance my time with the, with the Lord, to enhance my time as I read the Bible? What could I say no to? What, could I, what habits do I have that I need to confront in my life? And so these are things that we really want you thinking about. And uh, if you have any questions about that, if you need spiritual guidance, if you need pastoral counseling, we provide that here at Life Church. So just contact us, info at lifechurchchico.org. We'll respond to you if you'd like someone to pray with, or if you'd just like someone to ask a question of, we'd be more than happy to answer those questions. So Pastor Tom, thanks for being with us again. You're welcome. Yeah. And again, if you'd love to visit Holy Trinity Church, what's the address? Uh, 1505 Arbutus Avenue. And what are your service times on Sunday? Uh, nine o'clock on nine, Sunday. Nine o'clock on Sunday. Okay, have a great week, everyone. We love you. Peace out. Thank you for giving us a listen to this week. If there is anything that you'd like to hear on this podcast in the future, if you have questions, or if you'd like to hear us interview someone, please send us an email at info at lifechurchchico.org. Have a blessed week.